Hello and welcome to Connect Points podcast and sermon archives. If you'd like to learn more about our church, please go online to our website at connectpointupc.com or follow us on our Facebook page. Thank you very much and I hope you enjoy this week's message. God bless. That tonight and I just want us to get a little bit of an understanding. I'm going to tell you right up off the bat now, you could use the entire Bible to prove that God is for humanity. Um, but I want to just take just a little bit of it, look at it just a little bit, and uh, just so our understanding is uh, sharpened a little bit perhaps. I do believe that one of the reasons why people struggle in their belief in God uh, at all is that uh, they have so mystified the idea that they can't find a connection to it that makes sense. Some people have so mystified the idea of God, uh, the concept of God, um, that it, it becomes so far and so much and so out there, so to speak, that they then can't seem to find any way to connect to it as, as a human being, as a person. How do I make any type of connection? And the Bible uh, is clear to us, we know, John 4, that God is a spirit, right? They that worship, worship him must worship him in spirit and in Truth. We understand that about God, that he is a spirit. So I'm not trying to limit that at all. Um, the other thing hum- humanity tends to do is, is really just swing from one far end to the other far end. So you got people that have so, so mystified and so, uh, I'll say, spiritualized in the kind of the modern secular sense of the word. And then, and then, and then you got other people that the pendulum swings all the way to the other side and they dumb him down so much that uh, it's just, it's, it's hard to even fathom how some people think God is and their viewpoint on him. But the Bible tells us that he is a spirit and that those that are going to worship him must understand that and they must worship him in spirit and in truth, which is part of the necessity, of course, of the birth of Christ uh, amongst a thousand other things, that man would never fully be able to handle a spirit God that they had no understanding of. And so God did the unthinkable in our eyes, and he became flesh, and he dwelt among us. Amen. And he lived a life that was recorded in Scripture, and we see him in his activity, and it helps us. It helps us in our humanity to connect with our uh, God, Matthew 1, 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child, shall bring forth the son, shall call his name Emmanuel, be, being interpreted as what? God is with us. This lets us in on one of the greatest attributes to God that I don't have to convince you of tonight, but I'll say it anyway. One of the greatest attributes of God is he loves us. Oh, hallelujah. He loves us which, of course, is solidified completely by one of the most known verses of Scripture, John 3 and 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I, I, I would submit to us tonight that our love of God is connected to our understanding of God. And that the more we learn about God, the more we will reciprocate his love toward us back to him. It is unlike really anything else in the world. Have you ever been disappointed when you 
you thought something was one way and then you learned about it and you're like, oh, has that ever happened? Have you ever, uh, I was just trying to pull an example out of the air, but there's, there's, there's a lot of them. Anybody ever told you about a phenomenal restaurant? Oh, you got to try this new restaurant. It's an amazing restaurant. It was just wonderful. It was just amazing. And then you go there and you're like, mm, I really thought it was going to be better than this. I really thought it was going to be better than this. My wife and I, it almost became a joke when we were looking for a new house. It became kind of a running joke that every house that we would find online and every, in the pictures that we looked at online, the moment we stepped in the house, we were disappointed. It was always disappointing. And it was like, ugh, this is not what I was expecting. And life is like that a lot. Sometimes you have people that you've never met before and you're really looking forward to meeting them and then you meet them and, and they're great and then, and then after you're around them for a little while, you're like, they're not that, not that great. They're not that great. We, by the way, that does go both ways. I don't know if you realize that or not. So while you're saying, man, I got to know them, they're not so, so great, they might be saying the same thing about you. But the truth of the matter is, is so much of life is like that except Jesus. Except the Lord. The more you learn about God, the more you study the scriptures, the more you dig in. He just gets better and better and better. And even when you see something that you're like, I'm not sure what that means. I'm not sure what he does there. He just says, you just keep on learning more about me. Study it a little bit more. Dig a little bit deeper. You're going to find out that I was doing that for you because I love you. It's amazing, amen, thing about God. And so our understanding of him is connected, amen. Uh, it, it helps our love, and, and not only towards him, but others. Genesis 17, and when Abram was 90 years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Now that's a phrase, right? Isn't that a phrase to start out a conversation with? <laughs> All of a sudden you just find yourself in the presence. You, you feel the power. You feel this presence. You know that you're in the presence of something, and all of a sudden you hear, I am the almighty God. <laughs> that's something right there. I like that. Uh, and then she's, but that's not where he stops. He says, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. God, almighty, reminds us that he's almighty. And then he says to Abram, and you need to be perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And so if we read this without consideration of the attributes of God, and if we read this without understanding, it can sound a little tough. I am the almighty God and you better be perfect or else. But the reality is that God first points out his position and his power. He's not saying, I am the almighty God, because he wants you to feel small and, and weak and meaningless. He's for us. So he says, first of all, I need to point out my position, and I need to point out my power. First of all, I need you to know that I am God, and I need you to know that I am almighty. Right? I am almighty. After he points out his position and power, then he asks us to be perfect, which that word perfect means entire. It means to be complete. It means to be whole. He wants us to be whole. 
He wants us to be complete. He doesn't want us to be uh, fragmented. He doesn't want us uh, to be broken. He doesn't want us to be lacking. He wants us to be complete, to be entire, to be whole. But there is a key element of direction that is given to us to complete the task. I'm the almighty God. You be perfect. And then what does he say? Walk before me. Walk before me or be in front of me, be near me, be in the path that you're supposed to be on. If we position ourselves correctly with God, he literally takes care of the rest. Amen. If we position ourselves correctly with him, wholeness, completeness, these things are out of the question on our own. I am a broken person if I'm outside a man of Christ. I am a fractured individual, lost. I don't know the direction to go. I don't know the answer to the question. I don't know what to do. But if I am in my, in my right position, it is in, it's completely possible to be whole, to be complete. These are, these are possibilities if God is the center of my life. Amen. So he's pointing out his ability to be God, and he is pointing out his desire to help us be all that we can be. Amen. He wants us to be all he created us to be. Psalm 91.2, a prayer of Moses, the man of God. The prayer of Moses, the man of God. Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or Ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Moses was a man of God. He had a connection of understanding with God. And he says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place forever. For all generations, you have been our dwelling place, our habitation, our home. You, Lord, are our home. He goes on to speak of God's creative power, yet he does it from the perspective of someone who is at home with the Lord. Amen. He doesn't speak of God's creative power as someone who is just waiting for lightning to strike and take him out. He doesn't speak of God's creative power in that way. He speaks it as one who has a relationship with God and, 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 and whose God is his home. It's his dwelling place. This is not a, a comfort level with God that loses its awe and loses its wonder or loses its reverence of God. That's not what Moses is doing here. This is simply seeing God as we should all see God, as a place to live our lives to live in him, to be in Christ Jesus, right? Amen. It's a, a place of our home. One of the, one of the greatest lies of the, that the enemy uses to hurt people is an attempt to convince us that God doesn't know us and that God doesn't care about us. Is anybody, why don't we just be honest for a second. Has anybody ever felt that way? Raise your hand. God didn't know you. God didn't care about you, Right? That is a very common trick of the enemy. And frankly, you can, you can walk with God for a little while, and if you have you know, some bad days and, and some things don't go quite right and things get a little upside down on you, you can find yourself, God, where you at, God? Don't you care what I'm going through, God? 
Do you not see this, God? It sounds a little ridiculous for an apostolic Pentecostal to say, God, do you not know what's going on? Do you not see what's going on? After the experiences that we have with God and the things that we know about him. But sometimes we can kind of fall into that trap a little bit. And so we have to understand uh, the understanding of God. Look at Psalm 139. I want to read uh, several verses of scripture here. Psalm 139. A Psalm of David. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. Somebody say, all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Where shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the, light, the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. For thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and thy, that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect in thy book, all my members were written, which is continuance were fashioned, in continuance were fashioned, which as they yet there was none of them, when as yet there was none of them that was there. You saw it. It didn't even exist yet, but it existed in you, God. I didn't exist, but I existed in you, God. You're going to have a hard time convincing David that God doesn't know him. You're going to have a hard time convincing David that God isn't aware of him and that God doesn't see him and that God doesn't love him and know where he is and what he's going through and what's happening in his life. You say, well, that's King David. I, I mean, sure, God knows King David, but I'm just, a, I'm just a nobody. Well, amen, Acts chapter 10 tells us Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him God sees you and God knows you. It's important that we understand this fully and completely because we are surrounded and constantly bombarded by things that try to uh, separate us or try to make some people think that they're better than others or that they, uh, they should expect to be treated differently than others or however it may be in whatever form that it can be. But the truth of the matter is, is things like class division and racism and even popularity and even uh, money-bought power and things like These are all human ideas. God doesn't care about these things. 
God doesn't care about these things. He cares about, the Bible says, those that feareth him, which means those that reverence him. That's what matters to him, those that will reverence him. He cares about those that worketh righteousness, those that do good and resist evil, those that stand up for righteousness according to the word of God. That matters to him. Every single life matters to God from their skin to their soul. Every life matters to God. He is very aware of us, all of us. He knows us. He knows the thing that you would hate to have to stand up and say right now. I'm sorry, that, that was probably a little bit too. He knows the thing that I would hate to have to say in this microphone right now. He knows. He's aware of us. He sees everything. He knows everything. The thoughts and the intents of our heart are known unto him. Amen. In fact, if you consider the words of the psalmist that we just read, he knows us better than we know ourselves. Because we can, we can convince ourselves some things that are not even true. We can convince ourselves of stuff that's not even true, but we just convince ourselves of it anyway, but he knows us better than we know ourselves, not just our birth. Proverbs 5, for the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. Now, this is a very interesting verse to me because it says the, 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 this, the ways of man, which that phrase has built within it the, the road that they are on the road that they are on. But what's even more interesting to me is it says that he, the Lord, pondereth all his goings. That word pondereth actually means to roll flat or to prepare as you would a road. So he knows our ways or he knows the road that we're on, but he's also pondering our ways or he's also preparing a man the road. People have this idea of this hateful, vengeful God just watching us all the time, looking for us to mess up. And he is watching all the time and he does know everything. And what he's watching for and knowing everything about is because he's trying to help us get our lives in the right direction because he's trying to get us on the right path because he wants the best for us. Amen. Amen. He pondereth. He maketh a way so that we can advance. He's trying to help us so that we can advance. We understand Matthew 7 when it says, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. That's a reality of the human condition. Because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. But he's trying always to get us to find it. He's always trying to show us the gate, the narrow way, the straight way. Amen. He's trying to do this. He's the one constant thing in our life. God is the one constant thing in our life that's trying to make a way to help us. He's the one constant thing that is for us preparing the road that we need to, to make our way back to the way that we should be going. He'll prepare that road. He'll make that way. He'll do that. Now look at Isaiah in the 35th chapter. Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a feel for heart, be strong, fear not. 
Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with the recompense. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. For in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. These miraculous things are going to happen. He's miraculous. Isaiah, he, he's prophesying. He's speaking of a time to come. They're looking for a Messiah, right? They're looking for a day. He's speaking. And these miraculous things are going to happen. And the parched ground shall become a pool, and the thirsty land springs of water in the habitation of dragons, which, where each lay shall the grass with reeds and rushes, and a highway shall be there. Somebody say a highway. And a highway shall be there in a way, and it shall be called the way of holiness. The unclean shall not pass over it, but it shall be for those, the wayfaring man, though, though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there, nor any ravenous beast shall go up thereon. It shall not be found there. These things will not be on this road. These things will not exist on this way, this way of holiness. The But, he says, the redeemed shall walk there. The redeemed shall walk there, and the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with songs and everlasting joy upon their heads. They shall obtain joy and gladness and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. They're going to obtain joy and gladness. Sorrow and sighing is going to go. The redeemed are going to be there. And when the Messiah comes, when Jesus, when God robes himself in flesh and dwells among us, and he comes, that comes to pass, Words of be strong and fear not from heaven now are, are literally flesh in front of them. A reason to be strong, a reason to fear not is standing in their very presence. He's there speaking to them in their very presence. And the blind eyes are being opened and deaf ears are being loosed and the dumb are talking and the lame are walking and there's refreshing and there's renewing. When Christ comes, amen, all of this comes to pass before their very eyes. All of this is coming to pass, but don't forget what Isaiah said. He didn't just say all these miracles were going to happen. He says, but this new way of life is also going to be there, a new path, the way of holiness. He says it's going to be a clean place. It's going to be void of foolishness and foolish talk and foolish thinking. And there's not going to be any lion there. There'll be no predator there no seeking to devour. There'll be no predator there trying to destroy what you are doing. They won't be on this way. Why won't they be on this way? Because this way is the way of holiness. The only way to get on this pathway is to submit and surrender your life to God. The only way to get on this pathway is to say, I choose Jesus and, and I denounce unrighteousness and sin in my life. The only way to get on this pathway is to be washed in the blood and sanctified by the Spirit. There's no lying there. There's no devil there. There's no foolishness there. There is a way. God's greatest examples of, of being for us are not miraculous healings of our physical bodies. It's the ability that he gets us on the right path, the, the right way, the straight and narrow. That's the greatest evidence of a God that is for me. Oh, hallelujah. A God that is for me. Amen. A place where there is joy. 
place where he says we can have a song in our heart. Oh, hallelujah. Have a song in our heart. Isaiah goes on to prophesy. He speaks of John the Baptist and our Lord in Isaiah 40 when he says, The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. What's going to happen? What's going to need to take place? Every valley is going to have to be exalted. Every mountain and hill is going to have to be made low. And the crooked shall be made straight. And the rough places shall be made plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. He didn't just come to do physical miracles. We're thankful for miracles. We're thankful for provision. But he came with a way. He's so for us that he said, I got to show you the way. I am the way, the truth, right? And the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. You need to know there's a way. Talk about being for you. Oh, hallelujah. If he never heals your body, he's for you. Amen. If he fills you with his spirit, if you've been baptized in Jesus' name, he's for you. Whether you get the job or don't get the job, whether you get rich or don't get rich, he's for you because he made a way and he shows us how to get on the way and he teaches us to stay on the way. And if we get off the way, he'll lower the mountains and raise the valleys to find a way to get us back on the way again. That's how for us he is. He's so for us that he can't let us just stumble our way down the broad way. He's so for us that he can't just let us uh, go after any whim uh, 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 of, uh, of teaching and any type of ideas, uh, some philosophy, some new age thing, some spiritualism. And he can't let us just wander off into the unknown. He's too for me to do that. So he's going to have to correct myself a little bit, challenge me a little bit, nudge me back in the right way, use the rod, hallelujah, and the staff of a shepherd and get a hold of my life because he's for me. That's how for me he is. When I'm doing wrong, he says, you're doing wrong. Hallelujah. When I'm out of the way, he says, you got to get back. When I'm sinning, he challenges me. There's conviction there. Why? Because he's for me. Oh, hallelujah. He's, he's for us. Hallelujah. John the Baptist led the way. He got people's attention. He he did this by calling them and challenging them to repent. Amen. There's a way. There's a new way. There's a new way coming. Oh, we want some of that. Nothing better than new. New, 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 right? Want something new. John the Baptist is talking about. They're coming one after me. Oh, this is going to really be something. But how does he prepare them? Repent. Repent, repent. Oh, hallelujah. He declares the way of the Lord. He says it's going to be prepared. He's going to be made straight, valleys exalted, hills and mountains made low, crooked made straight. And again, a few verses later in Isaiah 43, back to Isaiah now, I am the Lord, your holy one, the creator of Israel, your king. Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army, and the power, 
They shall lie down together, and they shall not rise. They are extinct. They are quenched as a toe. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Ye shall not know it. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. That's how for us he is. Isaiah was talking about it. Long before, <laughs> amen, anybody ever saw Jesus, he was for us. He's for us. He makes a way out of no way. It's his way. It's the only way. It's a way of holiness. But it's the right way. Why does he keep trying because he doesn't just see our sins and our failures. Proverbs 15, the eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and, somebody say it, and what? And the good. Amen. You know, if, if, if when you mess up, you find yourself laying in the pig pen and just letting the devil beat you up because, how, oh, God doesn't love you, God doesn't care about you, he sees what you did, at least when you get right, at least remember that God also sees your good. Amen. He also sees your faithfulness to the house of God. He also sees when you open up your Bible and begin to read and study it. He also sees you when you're praying at your house. He sees you when you're being a witness and when you're being a light. He, he can see the evil and the good. Amen. When no one else can see the good, God can see the good. That's why he never gives up on us. Because he knows there's a way. There's always a way. I like optimistic people. That's one of the things that attracts me to God, I think. I like optimistic people. I like somebody who's like, ah, there's probably a way. We'll get it. It can be fixed. We can get through it. You know what I'm saying? God is, there's, there's a way. That he makes, he can make the way. So he never gives up on us. He is the king, eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. But even though he is all those things, he has chosen to care about us. We didn't force it to happen. We didn't manipulate it to happen. We didn't twist his arm behind his back. He chose to care about us. He chose to do that. I'm not sure what would have to happen for him to stop loving me. And I don't have any intention of finding out. Amen. This love is true, true enough to tell us like it is. First Peter 1, 15, 16, but as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in what? All manner of conversation. And we've talked about that a lot recently, conversation, that word there, basically every aspect of our life. That word means basically every single aspect of our life. Be holy in all of your life, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am, he is holy. He is holy. And so this way of holiness that the Old Testament and the New Testament agree on, this way of holiness, this hasn't gone away. This narrow path still exists today. The term and the, the ideology of, of Christianity as a whole may have gotten very, very, very broad, but that doesn't mean God has. 
what's accepted and what's acceptable, what behaviors and things that we do with our lives and our times and our bodies, that may have gotten very broad, and you can do almost anything today, and somebody will tell you it's fine, but that doesn't mean God will. Be ye holy, God says, for I am holy. The way, the truth, of the, and the life is still telling us that he's holy. And that if we want to be with him and go in the direction that he wants us to go in, then we have to be holy too. But remember, he says, I am the almighty God. And then he tells us, walk before me. He's almighty God. I can't just choose to be holy someday and become holy. I can choose to be holy and then choose Jesus and get as close to him as I can possibly get. The closer I get to a holy God, the holier I will be. The closer you get to light, the more it exposes the darkness. Amen. And God can take care of it. I can't make myself holy. You can't make yourself holy. But God says, I am the only Almighty God, walk before me and be perfect. And then he says, and I can do it for you. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. So he's, he's, he, it's, it's his holiness that makes our holiness possible. It's his holiness. It's the only reason why we can even be holy in any form or fashion is because he is. That may, that may seem elementary, but he's not calling us to the impossible. But he is calling us to something that is only possible through him. Is that too elementary? Holiness is an impossibility without God. You can't be holy you can have good morals. You can live a good, clean life. You can do a lot of those terms that people use about good people. Just a good old boy. Just a good person. Person to count on. You can be all of those things. You can do those things, frankly. A lot of that stuff you can do without God. But you cannot be holy without God. You can't just say, I'm holy. You can't, you can't even say, well, I'm an episodic Pentecostal, so therefore I'm holy. No, that's not how it works. You don't just attend the right church and have the right name. No, there is a holy God who says, if you want to be holy like I am holy, then you have to walk before me. I'm going to be almighty. I'm going to have power. I'm going to help you. I'm going to show you the narrow way. I'm going to lead you on the right path. I'm going to do all the things you need. You can be holy because he's holy. It's not impossible. It's very possible because he makes it possible. Oh, hallelujah. John, 1 John 4, 7 and 8. The Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Now, talk about an attribute of God that has been completely co-opted and corrupted by our world today. God is indeed love. There's no way to say he isn't. We only know love because God taught us love. We only understand love through him. That's the only way that you can understand the love 
of God. Now, this world has taken God's love and they've manipulated it to fit their agenda. I mean, that's really not surprising, is it? I mean, they don't only do that with Bible truths. They do that with everything. But it's sad that they do it with Bible truths, and so they do whatever they want to do, and they justify it by saying God is love. And love is of God. Right? I, I saw a snippet of somebody speaking in some church. I watched just a few minutes of it, and it only took him about a few minutes to really, well, they used a scripture that said that God is love. They used a scripture that said God loves everybody, and they used a scripture that said we should be like him, and then they used those three scriptures to justify that that means humanity can love whoever they want to love, however they want to love one another. And they pushed that agenda using Scripture. But here's the thing. We also know hate because of God. Right? Deuteronomy 16. Neither shalt thou set thee up any image which the Lord thy God hateth. practice idolatry don't worship any other god but me when you do so when you give your allegiance when you bow down when you worship some other man-made god i hate that right so we only know love because of god we only really understand righteous hate because of God. <laughs> hmm. That's interesting. We can bow down and we can join the agenda of this world, or we can look to the one who's known us from before we were, the only one who's ever been a constant presence of trying to help us, who's ever truly loved us. Tough love sometimes. In your face love sometimes. Right? That kind of love. The love that actually makes a difference. The love that can actually last. A love that can actually have a result of good that can bring forth something that is positive into our lives. God is love, but he is not forced to love everything that we want to do. He is not forced to love us so much that we can just choose the broad way and he's okay with that. He's not forced to love us so much that we can just worship anything we want to worship, make anything an idol we want to make an idol, and he still has to love us. He's, nowhere is that promised in Scripture. That, he is still, that, that, that in the end, we're just going to get all of the benefits of his love. It's not there. It's not there. So he does love us, but he's not forced to love everything that we want to do. And we cannot make love something different than what he made it. 
I cannot make love different any more than I can make the sun change the schedule of how everything rotates around it. I can't do that. I can't change love. I can't change what love is. I can make something new. I can create a different idea. I can rebrand it and try to sell it, but I can't change love. Can't. He says, there is a way. It's the way of holiness. And if you'll walk before me, you can be perfect. You can be whole. You can be complete. And there's a narrow way. And I'll do whatever I have to do because I'm so for you. I'll do whatever I have to do. And if you get yourself off in the wilderness somewhere, and if I have to lower the mountains and raise the valleys, when you, tr- when you cry out to me and you're trying to get back to me, I will make a way. I'm pondering your ways. I'm seeing every step you make, and I'm pondering your ways, and I can make a way out of no way. I can make it happen. But it will always lead back to the way of holiness. It will always lead back to the way of holiness. Let's stand together. Amen. The attributes of God are wonderful. Just the understanding that he has the ability to hear us, has the ability to see us, has the ability to protect us. It's powerful. That his wisdom, God and his wisdom, and he uses that wisdom to guide us and his strength that he uses to deliver us. <laughs> you ever stop and think about all the things that he does for us? His omnipresence that he uses to be wherever we need him to be. His sovereignty in which he, he rules creation to direct us. And he'll start a bush on fire but not let it be consumed or speak through a donkey's mouth. cause water to flow out of a rock. His sovereignty uses creation to direct us, his faithfulness in which he uses to hold us up, his long-suffering. Oh, hallelujah. His long-suffering in which he is able to endure our nonsense long enough to save us. (laughs) He puts up with us. He listens to us whine and us complain. And he listens to us question. And he's been listening to it from from humanity for a very long time. He's been gone through a lot of stuff for us. He's put up with a lot of nonsense and foolishness for us. And so this ridiculous concept that when you say that God is for us, that just means God approves of everything you do and approves of every decision you make and approves of every direction your life goes. Uh, that's foolishness. And I'm glad that he's, his uh, long-suffering has sometimes put up with our foolishness because when we realize that ain't right, that that's not true, that this isn't working out the way I thought it was, he says, I can make a way where there doesn't seem to way because I am for you. 
So the next time somebody tries to use that God is for us to justify their ignorance, maybe just remind them that there's a whole lot of things God has, God has done for us, but they're all for a singular purpose. And it's not just to make us feel good. Everything he does to be for me is to get me on the way of holiness so that I might one day be with him forever in eternity, forever in eternity. This life is but a vapor. He's not that worried about it. He wants to get us to heaven forever for eternity. Lift your hands and love the Lord. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. We hope you enjoyed this message. Remember, if you would like to find out more information about our church or to contact us, please go online at connectpointupc.com. And also don't forget to subscribe in your podcast app so you will be automatically notified of new episodes. Thank you and we hope you have a great week.